0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's peace be with you all tonight. And thank you for your presence this evening to celebrate the feast of the baptism of our Lord. This day is set aside each year to give special attention to the account of our Lord's baptism. And what this all means for us in our daily lives. It's worth noting that all four Gospels, the public ministry of Jesus really begins with this one event, his baptism. Now, in order to appreciate this day, I think it's helpful to take a step back and think about how this event might have been interpreted close to the time that Jesus was baptized. I want you to recall what was going on at the time that he was baptized. Our text says that the folks in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and the whole region of the Jordan River, folks were going out to John, and they were being baptized, confessing their sins. What this looked like is that sinners would wade into the muddy waters of the Jordan, confess their sins, and be Baptized. This was a deeply humbling experience to come out and to acknowledge sin in such a public way. It was humbling. So I want you to consider while all that is going on, the Holy Son of God slips in quietly and unobtrusively among that crowd and stands among all these sinners confessing their sins. It doesn't appear that many particularly noticed him at all. Obviously, John was tipped off in some sort of way about Jesus and his identity, but John was still completely confused by the meaning of this. What need have you to stand here among us sinners? I need to be baptized by you, and here you come to me? Even John, the last of the Old Testament prophets, is totally confused by the meaning of this. It just doesn't make sense. Why is the Holy Son of God here, of all places? And yet Jesus lays aside his glory, and he quietly slips into those cold, muddy waters of the Jordan side by side with sinners. And not just run-of-the-mill sinners, but real ones, real offenders, notorious sinners. And Jesus, the Son of God, is standing shoulder to shoulder with them all. That's an image worth thinking about. Think about it. The first move of Jesus' public ministry Is to look about as bad as you can look. His first move is to make himself look like a sinner. How different this image is of God. How strange and how scandalous, even, that the so called King of the Universe is numbered among sinners. In Greek philosophy, God is the supreme good. He is the prime mover of all things. But that God would pay attention to poor sinners and come down among them and stand with the sinful world, no Greek philosopher would ever think that remotely reasonable. And even among God's faithful prophets, one must wonder whether they could have imagined that the unapproachable and holy God for whom they prophesied would someday stand side by side with sinners. Isaiah 53, though, is awfully close, isn't it? When we hear that the Savior will be numbered with the transgressors. But this is how the public ministry of our Lord begins standing shoulder to shoulder. With sinners. So, what's the message that we can take from this? Well, Jesus, he is not approving of sin, he's not minimizing it or excusing it. Instead, Jesus is taking responsibility for it, making it his own. The scriptures say that God made him to be sin who knew no sin. That in him we might become the very righteousness of God. He actually becomes what we are, that we might become what he is. So again, listen to John's question Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Explain this to me. And then our Lord's answer. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Because not only will he live the perfect life for us, righteous and holy in every way, but he'll also die for us, rendering payment for all of our sinful, law-breaking ways. When Jesus was baptized and came up out of that water, behold, the heavens were opened. The Spirit of God descended like a dove, and it came to rest upon him. And the Father spoke from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is one of the great theophanies in Holy Scripture. Theophany is just a fancy word that theologians use to acknowledge a visible manifestation of God. Because at Jesus' baptism, the full revelation of God is on full display. His perfect self-giving love. The revealing of the life and love of the blessed Holy Trinity. A communion into which you are all invited by baptism. So think about this. God wants his theophany, his presence, known among us first and foremost... In holy baptism, where the Lord slips in among poor sinners, like us, to identify with us. And by doing so, he commits himself to the holy cross. Think again about Jesus slipping into those muddy waters, silently and unobtrusively, standing shoulder to shoulder with the sinful world. Because that's just what he did for each and every one of you in your baptism. When you were baptized, Jesus stood beside you and he did something amazing. He took all your sins and he made them his. And in baptism, he not only stood beside you in love, but he traded places with you, exchanging your sin for his righteousness, your shame for his holiness. Your death for his perfect divine life. He stood by you, identified with a sinner like you in the muddy waters of your sin, so that you might arise out of those baptismal waters cleansed and forgiven, rising up day by day to serve him in righteousness and purity forever. How amazing. Martin Luther, he writes in the Large Catechism that when it comes to holy baptism, we Christians, we've got enough to study and think about and contemplate our whole lives. So today, tonight on this feast day, let's remember our baptisms and give thanks to God for all of its benefits and never, never forget that in those waters, it's Christ who stands by our side and he always will, both in life and in death. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.